Hello, everyone, and welcome along to a new episode of Flaneur on the Streets. Tonight, I've got three wet plate collodion photographers on with me. Um, one of them you've heard before, which is Shane Balkowitz. And the other one is Simon Riddell. Riddell? Sorry, Simon, I get your name wrong. It's That's all right, R- mate. R- I'll answer Riddell. to anything. Riddell. Riddell. Riddell's good. Riddell. It's not like bouquet bucket thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Paul Whitehouse. Now, Simon, um, probably most people know him from One Shot Inching Down when he and um, David Allen spent two days, three days in a disused oil storage tankers up in Scotland to make a... Uh, five by four negative and then actually make a print while they were still in the um, storage tanks and the Simon and David actually made a film about it so yeah let's get on and chat about what Simon wants to chat about so Simon you want to talk about your mental collodion project yes that's correct George thanks for having us on um yeah, I guess um, I guess tonight is um, it's about really sort of explaining my journey from the start of I guess lockdown um, and combining that with uh, wet plate collodion um, and thereafter sort of you know just describing where I'm at now with everything um, and how uh, I'm sort of diversifying and about to sort of launch into another project which involves me going into the Cullen Hills mountain range uh, in the Isle of Skye um, to shoot wet plate and also dry plate as well. Um, so, um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know if you've got any sort of questions to kick everything off or whether you just want me to sort of talk. Yeah, well, I know, I mean, me and you first connected back in, I think, the summer uh, when you posted, I guess it was one of your early uh, wet plate images. And yeah. I, I was so taken with it. It was unbelievable because you did post it. And then I think a few hours later, you actually deleted it. And I actually got into, I, you know, I don't normally get in touch with people and say anything about their pictures. You know, I'll, I'll like a picture and, and leave it at that. But I was so taken with um, that particular picture that I actually, I reached out to you um, just to, you know, ask you what, you know, had you deleted it and why you deleted it. And, from there, from there, we had a you know a pretty good conversation, and um, you know, since then we've c- kind of you know spoken occasionally here and there. Yeah. So yeah. So if you'd like to, yeah, uh, I mean, explain what your uh, mental collodion project is about, and yeah, uh, what you are going to move on to, you know, in the next few months. Yeah, certainly. Or next well, year yeah. or so. I think that's a great place to start because, you know, um, obviously the, the mental collodion sort of um, project started really um, as a place for me to sort of express my own mental health sort of states and, you know, emotions and where I was in my head. Um, and, um, you know, it, it was never really um, a project to, to sort of do anything other than document my journey um and my mental health in I guess you know when COVID kind of first hit which kind of coincided with um when the first delivery of wet plate collodion chemicals arrived at my house 
was always my sort of plan to start shooting plate but um but but yeah covid hit um and um as i said the, the sort of that that coincided with the, when i i sort of first got my chemicals so um it was a very difficult time for me um through you know a, a lot of different things going on at that time um you know i i sort of i'd lost a relationship um you know very close to that time as well um and um you know i just needed something to sort of concentrate on and and um to try and sort of explore my own psyche um so i started sort of shooting wet plate um self portraits um which is not really the most advisable place to start um in wet plate photography um but it helped me sort of focus and get immersed in something and stop the sort of you know um self-destructive kind of cycle really um and you know i can remember spending eight hours plus every day in a cold leaky garage which um you know wasn't the best environment to start shooting in either with substandard gear um just trying to get something to come out on plate and obviously you know going through that very frustrating um phase of just making so many mistakes and, and not not seeing anything on plate and then then it evolved into seeing something on plate that was you know I couldn't work out if it was underexposed or overexposed or you know where I was really going wrong and you know just messing everything up and just being absolutely exhausted with it all but still having something to concentrate on um and then you know that I guess that plate that I shot that you were talking about that was shot very early on in that process and um, probably in the first week that I started getting images to show up that were you know comprehensible mm -hmm. um but I never posted it um you know, there's a couple of reasons I never posted it. One was because I thought it looked totally shit in terms of being not very technical. Um, you know, there's movement. I think you can see movement in my lips. Um, the scratches over it where I've like, you know, fumbled it in the dark room. Um, you know, and I think I remember that the, the chain I was wearing around my, um, actually around my wrist, had scratched one of the plates you know so there's loads of marks on it um uh, but you know like you i i was really taken with that plate so i i actually didn't varnish it i didn't finish it i just shoved it in a drawer and kind of like didn't look at it again because i liked it but i didn't like to look at it you know in a weird way mm -hmm. so you know that that was shot very early on um i started then you know getting better at wet plate collodion and being a lot more technical and finding my feet with it all um and then I started shooting you know more accurate self-portraits being able to sort of you know get my eyes in focus and the whole time it was just me there was you know no nobody working the lens cap or nobody sort of you know focusing the camera um so you know that I guess that's one of the reasons you know I've, I've actually had people say look you're you're talking rubbish here you, you can't possibly shoot a self-portrait wide open lens and get your eyes so sharp you know how do you do that and you know so that that's quite cool for me because you know it, it means I'm doing something right yeah. um, um 
so yeah I, I you know and then I started to post them on Instagram and um found that people were approaching me and finding some sort of common ground in the in the images you know and um given the fact that it was sort of lockdown, you know, I really wanted to connect with people and, and start shooting portraits of people, but you couldn't do that at, at that point. So, um, you know, I was always sort of searching for a way to, you know, um, to go a step further and I guess shoot portraits of people, but how, how could you do that? Um, you know, but around about that sort of time as well, um, very early on, um, in my wet plate journey, I, I I watched Shane's documentary that I found you just like completely enthralling, um, and um, I can't remember if I phoned you, Shane, or if you phoned me, but um, again, like very early on in in my you know stages, we had a chat and um, it was very sort of inspiring, and you you just sort of gave me that, I guess that that lift that I needed to sort of just keep pushing it and, you know, and, and keep, keep forging on really with it all. And obviously you gave me some tips, um, which was really useful, you know, so. Yeah. Because, um, Shane, your, your actual, um, early processes as well, in a way similar to the way Simon's is that, you know, you were, you were working in a, um, small area in your, um, business yeah. and you 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 were just you know you obviously I, we know your story that you you know you saw um an image on the internet and you were you were taken by that particular image and you wanted to find out what the process was about and when you did you you decided that this is what you wanted to do so you know but both your um story you know your start stories were within this process of of the wet play um both seem to run along very uh, parallel lines. Yes, um, very, very humble beginnings. And, and um, you know, a lot of people came to my aid when I was first starting. And, and you know, Simon was a photographer before he took on wet plate. I didn't even own a camera. So um, a lot of people had to come to my aid. I didn't even know what an F-stop was. So, um, you know, people had come to my aid and, and I, you know, Simon had mentioned something about my documentary and then, um, he watched it and then he told me he had a documentary and then that night I watched his documentary and, um, you know, we've been supporting each other ever since. So, um, you know, the, the difficulties that Simon is describing is the difficulties that anyone who's ever taken on this process finds themselves with. Um, it's a very daunting task. So um, all we really have is each other to kind of, you know, help. And, and like I said, so many people came to my aid back. Um, when I got started. So, you know, it does, it does my heart good to actually pay back a little bit. And, and, um, you know, Simon and I are, are rather become rather close. We've never met, um, but we've had many personal conversations um, and uh, it's, it's been a wonderful uh, journey to see him continue to chase this, this concept and stuff that he had run by me um, many, many months ago. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So, Simon, when when you were doing, you know, starting this process, did, 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 I mean, because that, you know, the, the whole idea of this chat is to talk about, you know, um, mental health and well-being. Did, so, did you find that 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 this process going through doing the the wet plate was was actually helping you to to, to get through this? Yeah, I did. Um, I guess it was sort of twofold. 
really. Um, it's, it's, you know, even even though I thought about it so long, it's still kind of difficult to really break it down into words. And I think, you know, that's that's one good thing about the the art that comes out of it is that people connect with it, you know, visually, and that kind of evokes some sort of understanding or I don't know connection with it. But um, but yeah, personally, it you know it was very immersive, um, you know, and you you, you just can't you just can't do anything else but concentrate 110 percent on on the process and and the prep and and all the rest of it um so it, it's it's exhausting um which which I found quite useful because you know I'm very active very engaged got tons of energy you know always thinking hypersensitive you know all that sort of stuff and if I've got something to really really sort of get dialed into that's that's when I start to calm down although it's exhausting you know um that that's when I start to calm down so you know I found it I found it useful from that point of view I'd be able to sort of you know go through that sort of process in the in in the garage um get all my thoughts and emotions out you know learn something um that would give me then sort of inspiration to try something else uh, go off in a different tangent you know change settings experiment you know it, it, I mean it's incredibly hands-on as well so you're always moving mm-hmm. you know although we talk about it being a very slow process anybody that's sort of you know ever seen me work and probably the same for you guys they're, they're like gee whiz you don't stop you know you're and it was interesting. I did a shoot for a couple recently, last couple of days, and they says you're really calm. You're moving so fast, though. But right before you, you know, you pull that dark slide, you do this thing, and you just sort of pace around and sort of look down at your feet, and you do this breathing thing, and then you go right. You know, now it's time we're doing it, and then I start to talk to. The sitter and I'm saying right get your breathing right what I go through with them is is you know obviously because you, you want them to be as relaxed and calm and in control of their breathing as possible so what mm. I have is a little chat with them right before I pull the lens cap off you know and I'll ask them to breathe out and then breathe in and then breathe out and then breathe in and hold it and then I'll let them rest for just like a second then I'll take the lens cap off. And I know that I've pretty much got four to five seconds of stillness, you know. And I think that kind of relates to the sort of, I don't know really what to call it. Um, For me, it's like a healing process in that sort of, you know, I mean, all our exposure times are different. You know, everybody knows that they're all Mm going to be different. Um, Shane, normally working in the sort of 10 second mark you know something like that in natural light you know um what I'm working with is 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 uh, continuous light via bulbs and then topping it with a pop of flash at the end so everything's kind of different depending on the shot but for that four to ten seconds let's say you've got somebody completely dialed in completely engaged alone really with their own thoughts based on what they want to put onto plate. So, um, and I think for me, when I'm, when I'm doing self-portrait, it's, it's very cathartic, you know, um, 
I feel like, you know, something's coming out of me and going on to play in, in some sort of way. Um, you know, so that sort of acts as a, as a benchmark, as a sort of a mark in time of what I've been going through, what I've wanted to put on plate. Um, but I think, you know, that also equates to normal sitters, you know, um, as well. Not not just as part of the, the sort of mental collodion kind of project, um, you know, and a lot of the time, I don't, I don't know if you, if you guys have, have heard the same sort of feedback, but a lot of the time you'll get somebody coming back and saying, well, I know that's me, but it, it just I look I look different in some way and they can't explain it. They haven't got a clue how to explain it, um, but they love it. Mm. it's just that 10 seconds of stillness that actually mm. gives them something where, where where then you know because most people most people lead 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 busy lives so you know to have that you know, 10 seconds of downtime just doesn't happen so i guess that you know that that just gives them that little bit of breathing space and yeah within that you know their mind drifts off somewhere picks up something you know and that, like you say, that then comes out on the plate. You know, I'd like to bring Paul in because Paul, you're an old school friend of um, Simon's, so you know you must see um, the changes. You know that that Simon's going through or has gone through o- over the over the years. Well, yeah, well, yes. I mean, it's interesting because you know Simon and I were really good school friends, and then there was this long period where we really fell out of touch with each other. Uh, you know, had a, a whole separate life. And then it was sort of reaching out to each other through mental health and then photography uh, that we re-established that friendship. Um, and absolutely over the past few years, it's been wonderful. I'm, I'm immensely proud of my friend to see how he's grown and responded and built on this, you know, and he's, he sort of in, inducted me into this incredibly expensive obsession as well. So I've got a lot to thank him for. <laughs> um, absolutely. Yeah, I mean... You know, going from 35 millimeter to medium format to large format to you know to plate photography uh, in this incredibly compressed period of time, uh, just relentlessly pursuing something. You know, not really always being sure what that is, uh, and then and seeing him, you know, sort of discover these different shades to himself. I mean, we we wrote an article together uh, on his self portraiture, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, reflecting on those images, which are, you know, really, you know, very powerful photographs, very powerful images, uh, and talking through the process and how Simon has taken some of those demons and sort of, you know, redirected that energy into positivity, into creativity, uh, and being very frank and, you know, very honest, you know, talking about those things, which, you know, certainly for me was very helpful um, and gave me this whole other insight, not only to Simon's sort of inner life, um, but his creative life as an artist. All oh, right. Yeah. Okay. That, 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 yeah. That's really good. So, Simon, I mean, I have seen that you were doing portraits of um, people. Now, oh, yeah. Oh, let's get this right. So, you, you were doing portraits, but were they? Were the, was the idea that this was to help people w- with their own mental health? Yeah, it was. So, you know. I guess to pick up, um, as I started to post portraits of myself on Instagram, you know, these people would, you know, just direct message and some some of the people I would know, maybe not so well, um, but others were just, you know, complete strangers to me. Um, 
and um you know and and just very genuinely sort of open and said look you know i i really appreciate our plate um i i connect with it um that's how i feel and one of the main i guess plates or or processes of plates were um, were specifically you know shot with multiple exposures you know um and that's where I really started to experiment, you know, with my own self-portraiture. So um, I guess like one of my, um, I don't know how you'd express it, but w one of my constant um, states of mind or multiple states of mind uh, around that time was this constantly sort of being in discontent, um, you know, not, not happy with my past not not achieving what I'd wanted to achieve um achieving loads and loads of really really you know hard stuff to do in my life but never being happy with it and always pushing for something more mm -hmm. um and never really accepting myself for myself um you know and always just being a bit pissed off with with that um and I started to unravel it really through wet plate um you know, and I think there's incredible sort of um, value to visualizing something and, and looking at yourself physically, you know, um, and, and, and thereafter looking at yourself and thinking, well, why am I feeling these things? Why am I not happy? You know, what's going on? And I think, you know, the process and the amount of time that it took to actually put that you know um image into silver um gives you time to reflect um and and time to sort of slowly and even subconsciously unravel what's going on so the multiple exposures one sort of current well constant theme through the through the plate series is is this you know plate where it's a it's a single plate with you know a, a triple exposure uh, and normally involves somebody looking back, you know, um, physically either either looking to the side, you know, looking straight forward and looking to the other side. And, and that's kind of symbolic of looking into the past, um, looking into the future. Um, so you've got depression looking into the past. You've got anxiety with looking into the future, um, constantly over planning, overthinking, you know, thinking things that will probably never even happen. And, and never being able to relax, never being able to switch off. And then you've got that one kind of focus shot with the eyes that I always try to sort of focus on um, in, in the center of the image. And that's kind of representing mindfulness and that need to push the other two sides away, you know, still, still recognize them, but, but just dial them down to a point where you can be in control of yourself and be focused, be centered. Um, and, and that's really where the magic started to happen for me. And I started to, 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 to sort of start to feel better. Um, and then I did a lot of research and got back into practicing meditation. And, you know, um, one, of, one of the guys that connected with me um, was a, well, is an is a active surgeon uh, serving soldier. Um, and he came up to the studio and we created one of those kind of same plates. And, um, you know, through talking to him and becoming very close friends with him, 
um, I had sort of got some therapy and it was all really around, you know, coming to terms with PTSD, trying to work through stuff like that um, and, and just sort of self-love and self-compassion, which is something I never like even thought of. You know, I was always right. What's the next thing to do? What's going to take my mind off something? How am I going to push myself to the absolute limit just just to sort of feel alive and just to feel like I'm just doing something kind of important? Um, never really accepting. Look, you've been through so much. You're still here. You're still doing something important. Mm. You know. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of I guess I guess a lot of me talking. Uh, I don't know if that made any sense. No, 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 no. It definitely made sense, and you know, I mean, it's it's something that you um, you know, that that that's helping you to move forward in your life. You know, so anything that does that is a good thing. Like, you know, sorry, Shane, you want to say something? No, no it occurred to me that um, listening to Simon talk. I think it's a little bit like um you know journaling um the these portraits um you know a lot of times when people are struggling or something people tell them to write things down or thoughts down or stuff like that i just think it's a visual a visual um way of um self-reflecting the, the fact that these are long exposures that the 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 trouble and the difficulty they are to get to these exposures um and it caught it, it it forces you to look at yourself um, that's, that's the one thing about this process is you, you know, and I've t- taken my share of self portraits before too. And, um, it, it, maybe it's like journaling, maybe, um, you know, that's what we're getting, f- getting that maybe what you got from these, um, these self portraits, Simon, um, about four or five years, I can share a quick story for four or five years ago. I don't know exactly the date. I probably try to re- forget about it. I cut my finger off my right index finger. And I was in the emergency room and um, the first thing that I was concerned about is whether or not I was going to make wet plates again, which doesn't make really much sense. Like, okay, you're missing a finger now, Shane, there, there should be no, you didn't have both your eyes gouged out. I mean, why, why you have this deep concern that you can't make wet plates, but the, the, the problem occurred to me, just like you were saying, Simon, I mean, you, you, you worry about something that's not even, not even an issue. So I'm on the doctor's taking telling me that I'm going in for emergency surgery to repair my finger. And my only concern was, um, you know, that maybe I hope I'm able to make a wet plate again. So one of the main things that I did, I, I promised myself I was going to build my studio and I, I built my started designing my studio the following week after this, this, this little accident happened. And then um, I knew that I needed to do another self portrait. And maybe this is how you felt too, Simon, I, I felt like I had to do a portrait and, and, and I was telling my wife, I have to do a self portrait uh, quickly as soon as I can. So my fingers still bandaged up. I'm still on pain meds and I'm like, you know, I'm in the studio I'm trying to figure out with this one hand, trying to make <laughs> plates and stuff. And um, it was a portrait of my hand in a box um, with, you know, I had to take the dressing off my wound and I poured like chocolate syrup on my open wound and took a photograph and I put a, a, a cleaver next to my hand. And I did this very dark and gloomy and gothic type of portrait of my hand missing its finger with this fake blood on it. And um, once I was able to do that, I felt much better. So I don't, I don't know if that's w- what you're experiencing, but there, there's something about um, 
self-reflecting and and doing that and i know it's a crazy composition it seems like a crazy idea and but I, I for some reason i had this desire to take a picture of my hand with its missing finger and, and i contrived this little scene of this horrific scene of how my finger and that's not even how my finger got cut off but um i i i had a butcher knife there and it was it was kind of crazy so i think it, it they force you to they force you to self-reflect so maybe it is like journaling and i know if you know um, a lot of people journal to kind of um you know to get better and, and try to get some kind of um some kind of understanding of how they're feeling yeah yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, obviously, I'm not in the same league as uh, as the three of you with photography. But for me, when I can't, you know, come the weekend, if I can't go out and take photographs, and it, it, it does, it's not the actual. I don't think it's the, the actual taking of photographs. I think it's the, the the camera forces me to actually go out because if I did, you know, if I didn't, I'd, I'd come the weekend, I'd just, I'd just sit indoors and stew you know until monday morning and then back to work and then work you know 40 hours and then stew again for the you know the weekend i think the camera just it it's i know it's sitting there i know it's got film in it and it's like yeah i'll just get out and it, it just gets me out to walk somewhere you know even if it's only the local park and thing but it, it just i don't know it kind of gives you a reset you know for, for the the coming week kind of thing that, that you know that that's m my way of dealing with things you know yeah yeah <clears throat> but also i think it, it forces you to take a different perspective and looking through that viewfinder or staring at the ground glass you know the image is upside down and sort of back to front it's it disorientates you and forces you to reorientate yourself and mm -hmm. I, I, I don't I, I'm, I'm sure i've read this quote somewhere so i'm not trying to take credit for it but i think every every picture you make is self-portraiture to some extent you know like you can't help but the things that you look at the way you might pose something if you do choose to pose an image you know there's almost like this unconscious influence you know there's an unconscious uh dialogue between you and the and the subject uh, whether or not that's a, a sitter or just a, a street scene you know you're choosing to select that i mean quite often when i'm riding the tram to work i'll see a scene and just think, I wish I had the nerve to just walk up and photograph that person, you know, someone looking out of the window contemplatively before the start of work on a gloomy day. Uh, you know, it, it, it makes you think and pause. And I think with this process, because it's that extreme of intense, what do I, what do I call it, controlled intensity. Mm -hmm. um, and, and just like working really, really quickly with these crazy chemicals, with these old, old fashioned cameras, you know, it's completely bonkers. But there's also like this slowing down, you know, and you have to think very carefully about the, the setup and the pre-visualization. And uh, that's what I love about film photography. And Simon got me into film. You know, it just it makes you slow down and think, and it's not digital, you know, it's not a screen. You know, the instant results aren't always there, although weirdly with Collodion, it is like a Polaroid. But once you actually start the process, yeah. it's dead yeah. quick. Um, and that's always exciting as well when you see that creation you know, coming out of the developer, uh, that never gets old and it's mesmerizing. Um, and I think, you know, even with like some of just the, the garage plates that I make, I mean, I can't, you know, I can't hold a light to these guys, but um, certainly affirming, you know, you come out of that dark room, even when it's been a, a dodgy plate and it's not quite worked the way you want it to, it's, it's always special. Mm. And, and you always sort of reflect and think about it. And when I wake up thinking about wet plate photography, I dream about it. You know, it's, it's really, it's really unhealthy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that, that, 
that's the one thing you know for for me as well the one thing it, it's not the act, for me it's not the actual um physical taking the photograph but for me it, it is that actual it's the development side of it i love being i mean i haven't got a dark room or anything you know it, I, it it's done in the bathroom you know and it's i i'm shooting 35 mil medium format that's as big as i want to go medium format is as big as i want to go um but it, it, it's just that you know you you develop the film and it's that it's just that moment of when you pop the lid and pull the reel out to see that you've actually got because it, it for me it surprises me every time it's you know it, it, it's a bit like the goldfish in the bowl you know it goes around and sees the castle goes around and sees the castle and it's like I, i'm like that every time i develop a roll of film because i just think how the hell's that happened you know and it, for me that you know that is one of the really enjoyable things it's the unknown it's the unknown. And I, I, I think that's one of the strengths of this, this process is that you really don't have know what you have until you have it. Yeah. Um, really don't have it until you have it. And I even had a situation on Friday where I had it. And um, as the plates drying, the collodion decided to peel off uh, the plate. So, I mean, so you get all the way to the, you know, <laughs> all the way to the end zone. You're, you're one step away from having this, this image that you work so hard on and, and then it's lost again. So there's something about that. There's something tangible. Um, and I, I think that's why, um, you know, that we find these, these, these plates in this process so interesting is that it, it just, it, there's an unknown there. And um, we can all point our camera at different subjects and point them at ourselves. And, and you just really never know what you, what, what you got until you got it. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of, there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. Yeah. So moving on, Simon, um, recently you've been sending me some pictures of the camera that you've just built. And, um, you know, it's absolutely massive. So do you want to do you want to talk about this? Is it what do you call it? Ultra large format camera? Yeah. Yeah. So I I think and I'm no expert on, you know, chemicals and stuff like that and you know definitions of stuff but I think anything above 810 inch is classified as you're getting up there into ultra large format um correct me if I'm wrong anybody but um but yeah um so essentially uh around the sort of time that I was you know working on the inching down stuff um I came across this lens um, that was a Swift and Sons um, f4 kind of lens I didn't really know too much and it's it's taken me a while to sort of find the actual um, sort of I guess even I think it's an advert to be honest of of the lens from the exact era and Shane I think I shared um, a book with you recently that I downloaded um, and you know the only reason I came across that book is because it had an advert for this lens back in 18 sort of 70 or something like that um so it's a Swift and Sons and I think from what I can gather it's it's like a a very sort of multi-purpose lens so it'll it'll open to f4 but you know go down to 128 f2 128 um so you know I'd looked at this and it said 18 by 16 on it and I thought right 
I need to build a camera to accept this lens. Um, and I, I'd, I'd gone through trying to load it onto the Intrepid 8x10 that I got, but the focal lens was like about three times too small. And, you know, it was basically as big as the camera. So, um, you know, it had taken me about, I don't know, eight months. And I, and I came up with, you know, just a really crude way of making this camera with curtain rods and dark cloth and ski poles and all, all the rest of the crap that I could find in the garage. And I was able to shoot an 8x10 paper negative of it. And again, it was a self-portrait in, in the same sort of time that um, I was doing all the wet plate stuff. Um, and I was blown away by it. The focus on it was not was not good. And I think I'd, I'd messed it up when I was pulling the lens cap off, but I couldn't be quite sure. So I was never really 100% sure that the lens was going to be really good or, or whether it was, you know, just error when I'd pulled the lens cap off and I'd got a bit of movement. But anyway, um, long story short, I, I started, you know, um, going down the mental collodion route. Um, I got some funding in um, a couple of weeks ago from a local government organisation, just a few grand, um, which paid for um, a lot of glass. Uh, in fact, some glass was donated from um, a local business, Easteros Glazing. So that was amazing. Um, but the funding also paid for this set of bellows, um, which are one and a half metres long, They're 20 inches at the back. Um, going down to eight inches square at the front and that enabled me to um, you know build the rest of the the camera really so I used an old Durst five by four enlarger so it's, it's quite funny because you know in the industry in the in the sort of camera sort of you know the large format camera industry people are, are making cameras into enlargers you know like sort of intrepid and so on and what I've done is is making it larger into a camera. Um, so, so because because the enlarger was so big, I thought right, it's got back focusing, you know. So what I wanted to do was shoot as big as possible, um, which is looking like about you know eighteen by sixteen, sixteen by sixteen, something like that. But when you actually get your bellows extended that that far, if you've only got front focusing, how are you going to focus? So, you know, you're like, shit, well, what am I going to do? Um, so Paul and I had, had been discussing this for a while. And Paul, you, you'd come up with this rack sort of arrangement. And um, sort of, I think you were the first person to sort of suggest, look, use that old enlarger that you've got. Um, and around about that time, I blew the bulb in it as well, because the garage was so manky and mouldy and bloody damp. Um, that it blew anyway so I thought well screw it I'll, I'll try this now um, and then I'd, I'd phoned Ethan um, from uh, Camera Dactyl and he said yeah you know just do that and make box bellows out of card cardboard box you know just make a sliding box so I got home from Sky one weekend lobbed it all together did a shot of my son and uh, I think I only shot an eight by ten but I was absolutely blown away. The lens was smashing so, so sharp. Um, I think the exposure time in the end was about three seconds with a pop of flash. Um, and, and yeah, the, the depth of field was to die for. And I thought, right, this is it. So um, I commissioned some bellows to be built by Custom Bellows in uh, Birmingham. 
and uh, put it all together. Um, and that was only a couple of weeks ago, really. Uh, since then, I built the 12 by 16 plate holder and ground glass uh, in a really cowboy fashion. I didn't even bother sanding down the glass properly. I just got a belt sander to do it again in my current style. Um, you know, so, it, you know, wet plate as well and large format photography. I mean, especially wet plate is it's all about Jesus making do, you know, making it yourself because stuff is so expensive. It's so hard to come by. And, you know, in, in the week that I got awarded this funding, the main UK supplier said, I'm closing my business. And I had to get all these chemicals supplied, provisioned, paid for, um, so that I could get the money back because it's a retrospective grant. And I was like, shit, what do I do now? So it's it's a stressful thing to be in, for sure. Um but yeah, that, that, that's the big camera. So it's designed to be a studio camera. It's mounted on a big, heavy table. Um, it weighs, I don't know what it weighs, but it's, it's, it's more than 25 kilograms anyway, easily. Um, but the plan is now to sort of move on to my next project, you know, which, um, which I've sort of called Sky Collodion. That's the sort of handle on, tw um, not Twitter, on um, Instagram. And that will follow the sort of sub project, which is called Peak Perseverance. Um, and, you know, essentially what I'll be doing is going up into the, the Cullins, uh, the mountain range um, with that camera, but also with a, um, a smaller sort of camera that, that actually Paul made for me, you know, um, I don't know, maybe about 18 months ago, something like that, Paul, which is an Afghan camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite a bit. Um, 2019, was it? Right, yeah. yeah. So I'll, I'll let Paul explain about that camera. But essentially, um, the, the project, I want to sort of combine my outdoor skills um, and expedition skills with wet plate collodion uh, and also dry plate collodion as well. Um, so I'll, I'll let Paul speak about the, the camera. And then if, um, if I may... Um, have some time at the end um, I'll explain about what I'm gonna face and yeah, I guess sure. the different bits and bobs with it yeah so um, so Paul you you built this Afghan camera for Simon yeah so I don't know if you're familiar with the the concept the Afghan Afghani camera um, it's a box you know with a sliding internal ground glass and you, you basically stick your paper negative onto that. And so once the glass is in focus, the, the wooden box itself also operates as a kind of mini dark room. So you've got some chemicals in there, some trays. And then there's a big, I've got like a welder sleeve, one of those leather sleeves um, mm -hmm. attached to the side of the box and you can slide your hand in there. And there's a little red window at the back and a little red skylight on the top. And basically, yeah, you, 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 you focus everything in and then you lock it down so it's light tight, expose the the paper and then develop it inside the box um, and it's really cool I mean the stuff that they they produce um, still and it's all around the world you know it's quite a popular concept uh, and the reverse the image so you also have to attach this arm on the front and then take a picture of the picture so you reverse it and then you've got your positive and you know Simon and I were talking about it I picked up a book somewhere I can share the details with you uh, later there's a project I think it was called like the Afghan camera project 
there's a bunch of guys who, who did that and I found some pictures and there's loads of these around the world so it's, you know it's not difficult to make them uh, but a really fun project and that inspired me then to make my first wet plate camera uh, you know just from scratch um, and you know lo- lovely really fun project because I didn't have you know thousands of pounds to spend on the camera mm. so just this thing together in the garage. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah, I have heard of the um, Afghan cameras because I think um, Ethan and Joe Van Cleve are sort of that they. Um, I think they've got a passion for that as well. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's a fun project if you if you're reasonably sort of handy, you know, with a with a saw and you know a screwdriver. Um, you know, it's a fun weekend project. When I think I've got a couple of rod rests, you know, fishing angling rod rests. Uh, and some nine mil copper tubing, like plumbers tubing, and that that's the the focusing mechanism inside. There's like a rack system inside, but other than that, it's it's a wooden box, you know, with a hole in it, which is basically what a camera is. Yeah, at the uh, end of the day, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's it's really heavy. I made it too heavy, and I shipped it up to Simon in Scotland. And, he, and now the thought of him carrying this foot mountain is actually quite 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 fun, quite pleasing. <laughs> so, so Simon, you're going to be lugging this ultra large format camera and this heavy afghan camera up into the hills with you yeah so essentially i think what 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 i'm gonna do um i want to document my journey up into the up into the mountains really so the mountains themselves are reputed to be the um you know the the most technical to climb in the uk the hardest and and the most sort of stunning um and they're right on my doorstep when I'm over in Sky. Um, I think the sort of the summit of um, of one of the highest or, or the ha- highest is about nine hundred and you know ninety two meters, something like that. At the moment, you know, there's there's tons of photographs of cloud inversions. So you're stood above the clouds, and you know that the atmosphere up there is incredible. You know, but it's also brutal. Mm. Um, you know sort of 65 mile an hour winds are, are kind of common and you know unpredictable kind of little microclimates going on um so i want to sort of go there and pit myself against the elements um and and also do do wet collodion up there as well um because you know yes it's been done before in other in other areas of the world but it's it's never been really done up there so I think coupled with the fact that, you know, that, that there are some stunning mountains to be amongst, the, the climate's so difficult, uh, the environment is harsh, the terrain's harsh, wet plate collodions, exactly the same in a studio, let alone in a mountain range. Um, plus I'll shoot glass and probably not tin. Um, you know, so I, I'm kind of... I'm in the frame of mind where I'm in, I'm in a good place. I know what I'm doing with Collodion from that point of view um, in terms of being able to work myself through problems. Um, I've got the gear that I need now, um, although I need ice axes because I sold them last year because I didn't think I'd need them again. Um, but anyway, I, I've got most of the stuff I need, but but essentially I want, I want to document my journey in, in the mountains with wet plate um and actually sort of you know the the big camera um will document more of the sort of you know the wide angle kind of shots 
um, from from the base of the the mountains, and I'll take the uh, the Afghan camera, which uh, is called Foxy Boxy. Um, I'll take that with me, and I'll probably shoot um, five by seven. Um, but you know, going on from that, because you know, with with those kind of conditions I've described, the the chance of failure is is drastically high you know um and you know it is a little bit dangerous as well so um i've been thinking okay you know what what is the contingency if i'm out there and i'm faced with a, a situation where you know shit i can't be a, a possibility of shooting wet plate collodion what do i do you know i've lugged all this gear up mm. i'm there you know it's pissing down it's really windy um but in five minutes it could clear up it still might be too windy to to do wet plate you know with developing and setting up a tent you know if i can't if i can't develop the plates within the camera i'll need a i'll need a tent to do it you know all these logistics are going through my head constantly so what i was thinking about doing was um shooting dry plate collodion um so that's kind of something very new. I haven't shot it before. Uh, I, I'm not extremely knowledgeable about it, but I did just order um, 20 dry plates through um, Jason Lane, who, Shane, I know you've spoken to him um, a few times. And, you know, just just about an hour before I came on this, um, this chat with you guys, um, you know, I reached out to him and I said, look, you know, this is the project. Do you have any experience? And he says, yes, I've got tons of experience in shooting in. And he phrased it in shit, shit weather. Um, and so I thought, well, this is great. So we got chatting and, you know, um, I said I was coming on here tonight. And um, he, so he said, you know, say hi to you, Shane. And he yeah. also, he, you know, he, he's just gifted me those 20 plates. You know, guy doesn't know me from anyone. Um, wow. so really nice. i mean isn't isn't that amazing though? isn't that the community i mean that's the yeah. community um i've met the nicest people in this in this community I've met, I've met some of the worst bastards in the world as well but i've, I've met them in, the, in this community so yeah um the the worst weather i ever took a wet plate in it was like 106 degrees and 40 mile an hour winds over at fort abraham lincoln some years ago and um yeah, maybe dry plate's the way to go because you don't have to worry about, you know, the your collodion freezing, your silver freezing. You got to keep uh, you got to keep things uh, at right temperatures and stuff like that. It may get rather daunting, but um, I don't know. I, I have confidence whatever you decide to do, you're going to do it. So it's like you went down this whole list of all these difficult things about this project. And it, and to me, and the only word that in my mind that came to, to, to into my head was, oh, that sounds perfect for you. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah. what what how could i even make it more difficult i'm gonna i'm gonna shoot glass instead of tin i'm gonna work <laughs> all this work and then i'm gonna worry about breaking. um yeah why would i do that well it just adds a little one more level of difficulty that i i feel that i have to challenge myself with so um you'll be fine simon you'll be fine <laughs> so, thanks mate I'll, I'll probably end up worse than you cutting off my whole hand or something you know yeah so simon you mentioned ice axes now so does that mean you're looking to do it during the winter? Yeah, literally. Um, if Christmas wasn't happening, I'd be um, I'd be getting my deliveries and 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 heading out. 
Um, you know, there's, I think there's one thing that I need to do to Foxy Boxy, um, which is just route out the perimeter that the, that the glass will then sit on inside um, where, the uh, where the ground glass is actually supported. Um, but that's it. I'm literally ready to go. The dry plates were delivered today back on the mainland. So, um, yeah, as soon as... Uh, you're going to do some tests there before you go up? No. <laughs> That's the spirit. <laughs> How will you oh, yeah, have? just straight in. How will you know what you have? I have no idea, Shane. I'll just, you know, I think, I think what, hmm, probably what I'll do is maybe one little test. There you go. <laughs> one one little test, maybe. Right, Paul? But if I run there. out of time, I probably won't do it. I just one little test before we go up this mountain with all this gear, and then, um, you know, it, the, these plates react totally different than what you're expecting. I don't you know don't anything. About thing. I'm completely naive, and I know that you can go up there and don't have to develop them and fix them and do all that stuff right there. You can come back weeks later. I mean, that's that that's that's the advantage, and that's why everyone gave up on wet plate in 1885 because it allowed photographers to go do these kind of projects. So, here's yeah. the thing I can say to you is that. They did it back 170 years ago. So why in the hell can we not do it now? I mean, exactly. it makes sense. Mm. not like we're doing this for the first time. People have done this before. So it, it should give us all the confidence in the world with all our technology and stuff and all our modern vehicles. You're not on a cart and buggy, for God's sake. You're going to drive a car, right? I mean, to a, a certain point. So, you know, there's no reason that you can't do this. I mean, I'm, try, I'm trying to pump you up here. The, you, you got this. It's not, um, they did it yeah. 170 to go with donkeys um i have a feeling that you can do it you can do it in present day i, I might need to get a donkey then because you know yeah 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 but i'm suggesting a donkey <laughs> well I, I yeah i think so obviously you know other than sort of documenting myself going up into the mountains that the, the main sort of i guess focusing point on on you know peak perseverance is to inspire positivity and and that's the same with mental collodion really those are the two sort of you know consistent themes it's you know how how do we inspire people how do we keep people happy you know we've become so so dis you know disjointed detached from what we're shooting we've got instant gratification instant knowledge on on our photography you know is it working well let's just have a look at the lcd screen well no it's not let's just adjust something or let's let the camera do it i mean that's just just it, like soul destroying you know the struggle that's why this process works for your your projects is it's the struggle it's the if this was easy there would yeah. there be so you're finding meaning and meaning in the struggle and there's there's something um valiant about that and um you know it, there's something that uh, people that don't even understand what you're doing can appreciate about that um you know um i, I think that's what it is I, i'm not sure that's what i i see it as is that it, it is the struggle the harder it is the more meaningful those end plates are and the more, more meaningful that journey is um that, that that's what life is about so I, I i think that's why this works so well for you and in, in your projects yeah i'd agree Simon, I, I just want to ask you something as well, because I, I, I remember hearing an interview with you, oh, must be 
oh, nearly a year ago, and you were talking about converting a, a a vehicle to be able to do your wet plate thing. Did, did you ever actually do that, or are you still in the process? Yeah, yeah, I did do that, um, and it and it worked. It worked really well. Um, so I I bought a um, oh, um, a Volkswagen um, Transporter, an old one. Um, you know, and and just converted it into a into a mobile darkroom, really. Um, but but that was pre wet plate for me. Um, and right. you know, it was it was at a time where, you know, it was incredibly kind of stressful financially with me. Um, I was just coming out of a divorce, and things were not 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 stable at all in terms of you know where I was going to live and and all the rest of it. So. Um, you know, I lived lived and shot in that van for you know six or seven months, um, and the opportunity came up to, uh, to to get a house, not to buy, but you know to actually get somewhere that I wanted to be. Um, and um, but yeah, so so financial things dictated that I had to get shot of it and um, put money into you know buying buying furniture and 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 trying to make a, a, a you know a stable home where I wanted to be um so so that's what happened to the van but you know since then I've I've made it all work and I've I've just bought another van a very smaller van um and um yeah so it, it's kind of I lost that for a little while um mm-hmm. uh got my life back on on track and got a smaller van with a with a bigger camera that would have never fit in the other in the other van <laughs> And so, and so you're going to use this fan as your base for doing this um, project yeah. peak perseverance, yeah. That's right. Yeah. So I'll I'll essentially I'll drive, you know, to the to as closest to the mountains that I can get in uh, in the van. I'll I'll shoot shoot a few plates from the base. Hopefully, big ones. You know, I, you know, I'd I'd love to be able to shoot sixteen plus sixteen on it, but. I still need to make those plate holders and and all the rest of that. Um, But, you know, the minimum size, you know, that I can can shoot really well at the moment is, um, you know, eight by 10 on it. Um, And, you know, there's there's no reason that I can't shoot 12 by 16. Um, So that will be, I guess, probably the first shot if the conditions look, you know, gnarly enough and, and nice enough. Um, then I'll then I'll shoot the first plates from from the van, and then uh, then he- head off into the mountains. Okay, and uh, when you say head off into the mountains, ju- just for the day, you won't be camping up there. Well, well you know <laughs> that that would be nice, wouldn't it? But no, yeah. unfortunately. Um, so the the sort of you know the the main route, the one that's really sought after in the, in sort of you know the climbing books and all the rest of it is. Um, is, is the peak traverse is the ridge traverse um which is you know if you're fast you can do that in a day but it's a long day um right. so the guidebooks are sort of you know steering you to think about having a bivy overnight um there's not too many places to pitch tents um so it really is you know relying on local knowledge building that that knowledge up yourself um and um, taking enough gear up for, you know, I reckon, I mean, most people do that, you know, in, in a couple of days. 
so with an overnight stop but um i think for this project i can factor in basically staying up there for a week um, all right okay yeah yeah oh all right oh yeah so it's, this is going to be a really interesting project then it's going to be nice to it, see what you actually you know what what's going to become of it yeah i mean hopefully i won't need to super glue too many plates together um um hopefully i get plates um but you know it, it's going to be it's going to be brutal you know the weather is is cold i really feel the cold as well these days uh, you know i'm i'm type 1 diabetic um and you know i was diagnosed in when i was 18 so that's like you know 20 odd years ago right um so i really feel the cold and you know all the rest of that so i'm going to have a lot of logistics to plan mm. and you know but um it's it's nothing that i haven't done before other than shoot wet plate and dry plate up there so it's uh it's all good oh good good i mean is there anything else you want to um chat about and you know um talk about or yeah i, I don't know I, probably not in terms of my own stuff um you know I, I think one major thing to really take you know a lot of positivity out of is 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 i guess what we've touched on you know just now which is that sort of you know that community um mm -hmm. and and it's it's kind of what's what's brought me to a point in my life where i can actually be content with who i am and what I'm doing at the moment um I think you touched on it a little bit Shane there with you know make it as hard as you can because everything's meaningful then and that's kind of the character that I am um but um but yeah I I, I truly feel now that I'm at this place in my life where um this this wet plate collodion process is is, is truly sort of you know you know sort of given given me purpose and and something meaningful and it, it it's constantly evolving really um and and offering further sort of possibilities and you know connecting me with you know more positive people um and you know at the at the start of of doing wet plate for myself um one of the things that i went through was a process of cutting out anything negative at all um and i was absolutely brutal with that so um this i can't think of any bad experience or or negative kind of experience that i've had in in wet plate collodion and and the people that it's kind of introduced me to through one thing and another has been absolutely amazing and you know just as you reached out george um you know that that came at a really kind of crucial time as well because it did you know your questions were really there was no kind of faffing about with with the questions that you asked me at that point mm. it's like why did you take it down why did you take that plate down um I really like that plate you know um I just wondered why you took it down and it forced me to sort of question myself and I thought oh, fuck you know um somebody's questioned me on this um, what do I say? Um, and it forced me to be brutally honest with myself then. Um, and, um, you know, so again, that, you know, it, it 
it's just been another positive experience and having this this group of people around me that that you know might shoot wet plate might be interested in it um might make wet plate stuff or large format camera stuff it's all something kind of in common um and it's it's a really reassuring thing so you know i'm i'm so thankful to uh, to everybody that's been involved really you know and yeah obviously the the article i don't know if if you've had time to look at the visualizing the unspeakable article that paul wrote um you know that again was just like just a huge milestone and seeing that at, you know actually published by emulsive um was just mind-blowing really and it, mm. and it was all a way to help understand what i was going through um and the more people that i speak to the more i realize that you're not alone you know i'm yeah. not alone yeah. exactly right shane you're not alone absolutely yeah. we're all in this together regardless if we want to or not regardless if we get along or not um we're all in this together and and um i, I it, it's an important thing to realize yeah most yeah. definitely most definitely now I, I i must admit i haven't read the article that um paul wrote um but i will if i will go back to emulsive and um to get out and, and have a read of it there is one question i would you know that kind of moving away from this that, that, that i'd like to ask all three of you uh, and you know um but down here at the bottom end you know at the 35 mil people and and whatnot we're all we're all struggling to get film because of the fact that um the manufacturers are struggling to get you know supplies and stuff so how are you guys doing getting silver and stuff? And because I mean, the price of silver's rocketed as well, hasn't it? Yeah, um, I just bought a, a thousand cc elite of ten percent silver nitrate. I just came in last week, and I think it was two hundred forty dollars or something. So my, you know, my normal, my smaller eight by ten silver bass are three liters. Um, some of them are four liters. So mm -hmm. you know, a thousand dollars worth of uh, silver. <laughs> Silver nitrate isn't hard. It will never be hard to get. Um, it's got all kinds of scientific applications and stuff, and people use it in all kinds of industries. It's it's really not the the silver nitrate that's so hard to get. It's you know it's some of those other components. Like Simon said, once you you know I use Bostic and Sullivan here in the United States, and and uh, to get my chemistry from, and and um, but it's some of the other components. You know, the collodion getting good quality collodion is difficult sometimes, and and uh, stuff like that. But um, some of the bromide salts and stuff can be difficult to obtain, but yeah, it's uh, it, the price is going up. That that is for sure. But you know, I've always joked that you know nobody can take our film from us because we make our film. So, um, you know, that's an advantage of uh, the, this older process that um, you know people that are trying to load you know film into into cameras um, have. And and I, I feel for anyone that it doesn't. You know, um, when they stop making the black glass that I made, the, the company that I bought my black glass from, that's all I shoot on. Um, they were going out of business and they were doing some reorganization. I mean, I mean, it was uh, it was stressful um, to make sure that I got enough black glass to continue to get me through till when I knew they're going to get production back up and stuff. So, yeah, it's, I, I think it's, um, you know, when you're dealing with analog, you're dealing with physical things that need to be obtained and stuff. Um, yeah. And especially pandemic it seems like everything's out of stock 
I mean, everything seems to be out of stock. Yeah. Yeah, well, I know um, Simon was saying that the um, company that you were getting some of your um, supplies from had um, closed down. And uh, I'm the same because I was actually using them to buy some of the stuff so I can make, because I, I, I make my own developer as well. Mm. And I, I'd been using yeah. them. And obviously, like you say, that you know that that they've decided because of what's you know been going on for the last eighteen months to two years that you know they've decided that they just can't keep the company running, and uh, so now it means looking somewhere else to try and get some of the you know the the basic chemicals. Yeah, I felt for everyone when I heard that too. I felt for everyone over there that their their supplier was, and I, I was hoping someone would pick pick up the torch, but it doesn't sound like someone did. No. No, I didn't. Sorry. Okay, then. I mean, I think we've had a reasonably good chat. Um, does everyone want to give out their socials? And, yeah, just give out your socials so people can go go and find you and see what you're actually up to. I, I know, Shane, you're in the process of um, having volume two of your uh, Northern Plains Native Indian book um, printed. Yeah, it's going to print in Latvia in um, the paper arrives on January 24th, my birthday. Uh, I guess they said it's got to sit around for seven to 10 days and acclimate to the printing uh, warehouse or wherever they're printing them. And then they'll be on a a ship. And um, I'm I'm excited about volume two. That means I'm halfway done with this series. Um, You can find me on Instagram at just Balkowich, B-A-L-K-O-W-I-T-S-C-H. I'm also on Facebook and uh, the three of us, uh, Paul, Simon, and myself, we're part of uh, Friends of Frederick Scott Archer, who's the man who invented wet plating. That's a group out there. So if any of your listeners are interested in, in wet plate f- uh, photography, there's a, there's a, a, a really nice 4,000 person group of people that um, ha- are like-minded and care for each other um, that are on Facebook. So that, that's where you can also find some of the stuff. You can see Simon's work there and Paul's work there and, and um, it's it's um, it's it's wonderful. Again, it's going back to what Simon said about community and and, and people looking out for each other because um, there's been there's been a lot of that um, during this pandemic. So yeah, yeah, most definitely. Uh, it's been Paul, an honor. Sorry, Shane. No, it's been an honor talking today and being asked to talk. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah, um, thanks. For, thanks for coming on and you know uh, supporting Simon with this. Paul, do you want to give out your um, socials as well? Oh, uh, yeah, thanks, George. Uh, so Instagram is Paul C. Whitehouse. Uh, it's just my name and my middle initial. And I've got a, a, a website. It's a bit amateurish, but it's, you know, it's got some stuff on there, which is uh, www.paulcwhitehouse.com. Um, and I'm also on Facebook as well. And, and as, as Shane said, there's the Friends of Scotch um, Arthur website, which um, Facebook group should be really useful, actually. I mean, when I was first setting up, got lots of advice there. You know, put plates up, you get instant feedback. Shane is amazing in terms of messaging you and providing a little you know, bits of guidance. You know, so I'd recommend that one. Okay. And Simon? Yeah, okay. So I guess um, the, the two main ones to be aware of is, is Mental Collodion and Sky Collodion on Instagram. Um, and, you know, the other bits and bobs that I'm up to, you can go to um, the official website, which is um, srfilmphotography.co.uk. Um, but yeah, just as the, the other guys have said, it's just been amazing to talk um, about the projects and just about our processes 
and um and, and you know what it means to us as well um and you know let's let's just hope that we can keep inspiring people and and that, that chemistry you know becomes available as 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 easy to hand as it has been before um it is a massive issue at the moment it's not just the chemistry it's you know it's it's the quality of aluminium to you know to to get and shoot on um you know so that this 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 just turns to it but i think and again i was talking to ethan recently um and i was talking about chemistry and he said that you know he's, he's i said to him you know i really want to get into this you know printing process uh but i said i think that's probably going to be about four or five years down the line for me and he laughed and he says oh, i'll probably see you doing these big prints in about a year or time <laughs> you know so it, it is on the cards but um you know for that it, it's it's going to rely on either getting to know chemicals mixing them mm. probably myself um or or hopefully um you know something will happen not just in the uk but you know further afield as well so that that um that materials and chemicals become available but you know a big big special you know shout goes to anybody that's making the chemicals and and selling the chemicals and and keeping this all going because without that it, it does become extremely difficult um so uh so yeah just just thanks to everybody that's sort of really involved in the process right right oh i'm where have we gone? Sorry, I lost you all there. Right. Well, thank you all very much for coming on and speaking uh, about your processes and, you know, the stuff you're up to. And, uh, yeah, like I say, thanks very much. And Thank you, George. You know, all have a good thank evening. Nice to hear your voice again. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Cheers, George. Take care, boys. Yep, you too. See you thanks, later, guys. mate. Bye, bye, bye.